Human Behavior Podcast, we have another information-packed episode to bring you, so we hope you enjoy it. This week, we are talking about intuition and what it really means to trust your gut. Just like our previous episodes, we're going to start out by reading an article that Greg wrote where he highlights several examples of people who didn't trust their gut and it led to some pretty catastrophic situations. For this episode, we're talking about intuition from two perspectives, the first being the gut feeling that you've likely experienced when something feels off. The other aspect of intuition that we are talking about is how it pertains to cognitive training and learning to become better at decision making. During the episode, we talk about some of the science behind intuition and why it is an important hardwired element that has kept the human race alive for a very long time. We also dive into the essential role that emotion and cognition play when it comes to training for the real event, and we bring up some of the misconceptions we've seen when it comes to including those elements into scenario-based training. Some of the topics we discuss include the difference between muscle memory and cognitive training, information versus intelligence, creating explanatory storylines, and how to enhance your own intuition. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to know more, please check out our Patreon site. Enjoy the podcast. I'd kindly ask that you leave us a review. And more importantly, please share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget that training changes behavior. All right, Greg. Well, today we're, we're back in the the original studio, I guess we should say, not not on the road uh, this week when we're recording this one, but it's been a busy couple of weeks and we're getting ramped yeah. up for some more travel coming up and uh, we got a bunch of topics we want to get out on on the podcast. So for today, um, we sort of, a, I guess, elaborating on the first episode of SenseMake versus SenseMake uh, is the way I look at it. But what we're getting into today is kind of intuition and, and trusting your gut and then a few other things about how that works and information and intelligence and then also um how do i train for this stuff and so you you know again you you wrote something a, a while back about this about you know emotion and cognition but you, you had a bunch of great examples in there um Thanks. to kind of to what a lot of people think of is is the problem is how do i sort of see the person who's just odd and doing something odd versus this is the person that's going to attack me or my family or the situation I'm in. So that there there's because that's the the seemingly gray area that people don't understand real well that right. we really address in our training, especially. But I thought this was a great article that kind of uh, highlights some of that and then we can get into that. So if, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with everyone and then um, uh, we can kind of jump into the discussion from there. I appreciate it. I also appreciate everybody. Uh... Uh, tuning in. Hope you love the new format. So, Brian, if you, as you said, this is from Lessons Learned 42, uh, which was probably 2018 or so, uh, and I'll do my best uh, recalling it. Uh, so, it starts off with just the facts, ma'am. I was browsing through a social media site to locate a recent posting attributed to one of our Arcadia Advisory Board members when I came across a photo of a London, Ontario, Canada police vehicle, and it had Arab writing on the vehicle's graphic package. And the Gulf Arabic writing was on the right rear fender uh, near the Canadian flag. And under the photograph was a rant, an absolute rant written by someone contributing uh, 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 their post to the same social media site regarding this graphics package. And the author couldn't fathom why a Canadian police vehicle would be host to Arabic writing. And they wrote words to the effect, the two official languages of London, Ontario, uh, Canada, are English and French. And then it's necessary. Why then is it necessary to put Arabic writing on the police vehicles? Who are they catering to? 
And that's a lot of hate and innuendo. Yeah, I'm, ar- I'm already getting, I'm already you getting pissed off at this guy. Yeah, like uh, maybe call that sniping, maybe Brian, catering right? to the people in the community. I don't know. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you let exactly. you go ahead. But <laughs> the author never acted as though they knew what the Arabic words meant or or had done any research. And I remember wishing silently that the author had engaged their curiosity in a more meaningful way, rather than further foment anger by implying an unreasonable conclusion. The author, the, the author never included that the Arabic writing literally said police. Uh, the author never added that the London, Ontario police began putting police on their police vehicles in five different languages years ago in an attempt to be inclusive, reaching more members of their already culturally diverse community. So I called and confirmed this by contacting LPS Media Officer Constable Sandasha Bao. And Sandasha stated that the languages originally chosen were Vietnamese, Chinese, Polish, French, and Gulf Arabic, because those were the most commonly used languages in London, Ontario at the time. Sandash advised me that the LPS was planning to add Spanish in the near future. So what? If you don't know what you're talking about, take an E and stay out of the conversation. That, that's, this author's, that's a, that part's impossible for people yes, to do, by the way. <laughs> I, I think so, too. Even reading it now, I'm smiling. Yeah. The author's misguided attempt at levity, coupled with the fact that they uh, appeared tone deaf to community involvement, seemed staggering to me. Coupled that with the fact that the information age, the answer was just an email or a phone call away. The author made no attempt to research your conclusion before printing negative commentary on their perceptions. And not all information rises to the level of intelligence. Further, misinformation or the lack of credible information or missing information can create a data chasm that may prove unfixable. And I'm not attacking the author's first amendment, right? I'm merely saying that when you play fast and loose with words, you may write something unintentionally inflammatory. In many instances, the most fundamental level of basic fact-checking would have informed the author, thus preventing the author from writing something which would foment hate or violence where no such malicious intent was envisioned. So let's take a look at a situation when not sharing information could prove deadly, and I call it the ruse. Just before Christmas, my dear friend contacted me with an interesting tale. He was an early combat hunter, senior instructor, and a plank holder, and he related to me an incident that happened to his daughter while she was away from home. His oldest daughter is now a freshman at the prestigious, she's graduated since, at a prestigious Michigan University. And a few days ago, she was headed back from the library to continue studying with her uh, friends at an all-female dormitory. She noted a man, unknown to her, repeatedly swiping a common access card in an apparent attempt to enter the dorm. Now, this was problematic, whether from a security standpoint or an ethical one. A male shouldn't be entering the female dorms, nor should a male student or civilian be in possession of a female student's common access card. So the female freshman confronted the man and asked him what he was up to. That alone is the tough choice. Should she have called security first? Should she have taken into account the time of day, the possibility of accomplices, the locations of surveillance cameras? Should she have minded her own business? Each of these choices flashed through her conscience. And when she confronted the male, the male seemed surprised and caught off guard. He responded by asking the freshman what the name of the dorm was, now acting though he was just merely lost and confused. And the freshman told the the man that he was attempting to enter an all-female dorm. The man then said he was sorry and hurried away. So the female student follows the man for a short time, notice that he walks directly to another female-only dormitory on campus, and once there, resumes his card-swiping behavior. Now fearing that crime was afoot, she calls her mom and dad. Her dad's a retired veteran police officer and security professional, and her mom's a veteran police officer retired and a registered nurse. So back to the class. Should I stay or should I go? 
if you're ever in a similar situation, compare the most likely course of action with the most dangerous course of action, then compare them against the environmental baseline within which you find yourself. If a, me, a female student comprises uh, campus security, uh, compromises, let me start that again. If a female student compromises campus security by giving her access card to a male student or a civilian, that action has potentially dangerous implications and spirals and must be reported. If a student or a civilian is in a position to witness suspicious activity by a male student or civilian at a female-only dorm or vice versa, those actions may be precursors to criminal activity, and they must be reported. So let's talk about the explanatory storyline. Now that you've discussed the ML and MDCOA implications of your observation, try to create an explanatory storyline for your perception. Base your conclusions on reasonableness and likelihood. You don't have to be a terrorist or a criminal to consider what type of behaviors they would exhibit if they were engaged in a nefarious activity. If a male found or stole a common access card and someone knew, uh, somehow knew that that card belonged to a female student, how would that male figure out which dorm the female resided? A simple way would be to try and swipe the access card at every, every female school. dorm until the door opened. So this seems to be what the freshman might have witnessed. So coupled that with the fact that the male modified his behavior, then seemed lost or confused, and the fact that he quickly left the scene added to the suspicious nature of the initial observations. Finally, the fact that even though discovered the male continued to try the card on another female door makes the explanation likely enough to be true, and that warrants police or campus security intervention. Armed with this logical, reasonable conclusion, the female freshman called the police. The entire process only took a matter of minutes. So let's talk about old Simon Bar Sinister. John Norman Chapman searched for an unlocked or propped open exit doors on campus, not unlike the man that drew this freshman's attention. Surveillance and unlocked doors made John's work much easier. Moms and dads don't want to send their kids to a college or university known as a hunting ground for serial killers, so they tend to leave that information off their brochures. John Chapman's chosen profession was serial murder. John specialized in abducting, torturing, raping, then murdering young females, specifically those on or around college campuses. John was known as the co-ed killer, the Ypsilanti Ripper, and these murders occurred from 1966 through 1969. Because Chapman's victims included females from both the University of Michigan and Eastern Michigan University, fear spread that the murderer may be a college student. Both the universities and the neighboring cities and their law enforcers were besieged by parents, uh, students, and the general public wanting answers. They wanted security. By 1969, Chapman's abductions appeared to increase in frequency. Although John's murders predated the common access card entry system, John knew how to fish for unlocked or unattended doors and then use subterfuge to isolate his victims. John needed access to his female victims. He insinuated himself into situations where he could be near them, watch them, and learn their habits before he abducted them. John Chapman killed a female in California and six females in Michigan before he was captured. The young female fr freshman I introduced to you wasn't a part of John Norman Chapman's reign of terror. It wasn't part of her in-briefing either when she started university in 2019. It certainly would have made her even more suspicion of the man she saw attempting to enter the female dorms. Her decision to call the police wouldn't have taken so long. Information can help advise your situational intelligence. The difference between information and intelligence is huge. Simply put, information is knowledge you possess about a particular fact or circumstance. In order for that information to be considered intelligence, it has to be processed, investigated, and turned into credible, actionable information more than mere facts. 
In the first section, a misinformed writer stirred emotion when they failed to vi- uh, verify the information they were sharing. And the second story I shared with you, by processing information, creating likely storylines, my friend, his wife, and their daughter were able to determine that a man's conduct was suspicious enough to warrant informing the camp police. The campus police. In my final section, I'll demonstrate how the lack of sharing important information and intelligence during training can create, create a situation where you're unprepared for action, even though you're armed and ready for action. So let's talk about briefly the White Settlement Church shooting. On Sunday, 29 December 2019, 43-year-old Keith Thomas Keenan from River Oaks, Texas, stood up in the West Freeway Church of Christ in the city of White Settlement, Texas, and shot two people to death with a shotgun before being killed by an armed church security volunteer. Keenan was a damaged human, struggling with demons, according to his wife. He had a long criminal history, including arson, illegal weapons possession, theft, and assault. In 2012, a protection order was written, and Cunion's former wife, Cindy Glasgow Vogel, wrote that Cunion was violent, a paranoid person with a long line of assault and batteries with and without firearms. He is a religious fanatic, this is her quote, and says he's battling a demon. He's not nice to anyone. So, according to witnesses, Keith Cunion was wearing a fake beard and a wig as a disguise and had on a three-quarter length long winter-style jacket inside a Texas church. This made parishioners uncomfortable, yet they said or did nothing. According to church elder Mike Tinius, Kenyunin's manner of dress and behavior attracted the attention of church security. They said nothing and did nothing until Kenyunin started shooting. One person stated, and this is in quotes, that gunfire came without warning. Even though I saw the video, and each of you likely saw yeah. uh, Kenyunin's behavior and mannerism before the attack, and Brian is going to have that video in the, in the episode notes. Anyone with human behavior-based threat training would have seen him as a threat and dealt with him long before he stood up and pulled out this three-foot gun. So it also has graphic content uh, when you see the video. So having never seen the gunman in church before isn't evidence of anything. You can't use that as probable cause. But wearing a three-quarter length winter coat into a Texas church while wearing a beard and and wig disguise, that is. A 38-year-old female sitting behind Kenyunin stated that both she and her seven-year-old daughter were so uncomfortable with the fact that Kenyunin was wearing this fake beard and wig in church that she said she noticed him the moment he sat down. The female stated that she observed church security p- personnel move near the man and sit behind him, presumably due to Kenyunin's strange behavior. The female added that Kenyunin's behavior was so distracting that she couldn't sing or pray. That's what she loved at church most, and she felt that something was just not right about him, Kenyunin. So, so much so that she and her husband discussed that they were going to move to the other side of the church once communion had concluded. Folks, we call that a proximate push. More on that later. Atmospheric shift. The female added, I should have listened to my gut. Information can come in many forms. The FBI is working to identify the shooter's motive. That's a waste of ink. I feel dirty for writing it. Motive never matters. If the folks in the church would have been trained to identify intent rather than motive, lives would have been saved. It's ridiculous to hail someone as a hero in a shooting where two people died. If the damaged human known as Tunyunin wanted to die, he was free to do it himself without involving anybody. He did, however, choose a venue that afforded him a great chance to act out violently, what we call a soft target. People will argue that the church was, in fact, a hard target. Security was able to kill Tunyunin before he killed more than the two people he did shoot. That's hollow sucre for the family and friends of 64-year-old Anton Wallace, a church deacon from Fort Worth, and a 67-year-old Richard White from River Oaks, Texas. 
Trading cops' lives for criminals or church security lives for parishioners is a zero-sum game. Nobody wins. The gift of time and distance can negate the surprise and fear that an ambush attack relies on. True, you have no idea what your reaction to an iron gun will be until you're in that situation. But if you undergo realistic training that pushes you through muscle memory and includes cognition and an emotional component, you're much more likely to act in a manner that will ensure your survival. So training for the real event, armed security personnel with muscle memory training can recall and repeat actions based on procedural memory gleaned from consolidating a single specific motor task, drawing a weapon, pointing and shooting a weapon, reloading a weapon into a memory by repeating that action many times. But that falls short of being a successful survival mode. You must also add motor learning. Now, motor learning is uh, adding the level of complexity necessary to use that muscle memory skill, reloading the firearm in an appropriate response at the correct time. So based on the cues in your environment, taking the transient nature of a muscle memory and compiling on how and when creates this neurochemical bond in your brain that'll create a bridge between your training and rehearsal and the anticipation or preparation of that motion or memory. That too falls short of a complete survival strategy. The final essential component is adding the emotional slash cognitive behavioral models uh, modules to your training. The human behavior, uh, the human brain uses a complex set of logic and emotion during critical decision making. During periods of high stress, procedural skills like muscle memory give way to emotion based survival chemistry. And unless your training includes the addition of emotional memory components and cognitively real injects, instances where your fluid intelligence, your reasoning ability, your critical thinking skills are challenged in a realistic environment during an intense encounter. You can be great with a firearm and still lose a fight. Without such additional components, you may still succumb to fear, uncertainty, anxiety, and surprise, all of which come with intense encounters. Humans feel their environments. We, we have largely evolved past understanding the intuition or gut feelings that used to warn us of impending danger. Our electrochemical neurotransmitters attempt to warn us that dangers of through the synthesis of catecholamines. The hormones created by your adrenal gland, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and they couple with cortisol and then are released into your blood when you're physically or emotionally stressed to prepare for action. Call it your gut instinct. It's a chemical. It's not just instinct. Simply being armed or training to shoot at paper targets are never going to prepare the human brain for the real encounter. If you plan on relying on armed security, decide also to train the brain. If not, the encounter will come down to luck, speed, and odds. And they'll go to the actor who can best control that surge of adrenaline and fear until the dust and the brass settles on the floor. You can be a hero if you stop a deadly encounter before it starts. You can also learn how, because your safety is largely your responsibility. Now, Brian, I hope I didn't butcher that too badly, but no, the they, is, folks will they, be able to see that and the yeah. photos. So, so, um, yeah, again, just like all of these articles, we're putting those on the Patreon site that has all the information. You got the photos in there. It's it's organized then for you to go back and read because there's a lot to pull out of here, Greg. And and um, I think so. you you hit on a number of different topics. And yeah, I think folks listening can can see why. You know, you started with this story of Sean's daughter at college seeing this guy going in. And that's that's already people are like, oh man, I'm thinking about their kid, but then she had never heard of in that area and there's been nope. actually a bunch you know in in that area too in michigan and wisconsin for serial killers and like yep. you know it had she been given that sort of hey this one thing happened on a college campus i don't want to scare you but this is why it's important to pay attention to these things i guarantee you'd have been like oh my god that's exactly what they're talking about so there there's that part and then we go into which uh the 
the uh, uh, church shooting in Texas, which we talk about in in person training, and I'll, I'll leave a lot of that discussion to to there. Um, but yeah. but there, you know, same thing where you had people going, "Man, this is odd. This feels weird." And you had a guy, that guy uh, was his name Jack Wilson, I think, the, the head of security down there, did a great job. The guy sure. was like an NRA yeah. instructor. Like this exactly. guy was an awesome member of the community, training people forever. And even he, they all knew something was up, and they didn't. They but they still, even for as professional as they were. Uh, waited until he started. Okay, the, until the yes. shooting was on. It's like, well, at that point, you know, it's it's too late on how we look at things. But I, I want to start with this idea of of intuition, okay. and um, then we can get into to a bunch of stuff because it, it, the explanatory storylines and how you broke down. Well, b- basically building probable cause on the guy entering the building in a sense. Yeah, but yeah. but and, but and, and also the fact that you and I were talking about motor learning and training when we were briefing people at fight JCTD and, and not all good instructors still understand what that means. No, that's a great thing that we tried to throw in this episode as well. Yes. And part of that is even how it's talked about. So it's like a, it's a language issue, it's a lexicon, it's a semantic, issue on a lot of things and and they really but that's important when you're getting into this so let's um let's start with intuition greg because that's a big thing everyone says oh i've got really good intuition or i trust my gut you know and everyone says hey trust your gut which i always tell people do have the confidence if something feels wrong one it likely is you don't know why don't jump to an unreasonable conclusion but but stop look listen smell take a step yep. back that's your brain so c- can you explain a little bit we don't have to go into a ton of detail but no 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 about but the, but, the science of tu- of intuition it's because exactly. there's a science it's not no, no one has it, a it is science sense. and that's why we yell when people say gut instinct or the hair in the back of my head or all these other things yeah because when you explain it in a manner that's non-scientific people have a hard time believing that it's true that it can happen to them i'll give you an example So intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for any conscious reasoning, Uh, a a thing, something that happens that no one uh, has to think about. They consider immediately from instinct and unconscious reasoning that this is going on. So a a synonym for that is a sixth sense, which I hate that term, or ESP or clairvoyance. (laughs) Now, those terms are much closer, right? That's Mm -hmm. actually in this is the source, if you look it up, having a hard time putting words together, say, and Brian, the opposite of that in the same thesaurus is intellect. So I pose the challenge that when we say intuition, again, it's a scrum with words. You just said that with certain words. And what it is, is it's really the electrochemical neurotransmitters of your brain trying to send a distant early warning based on things that it's putting together that you're encountering in your environment. And you're not putting them together just as quickly, right? But it already has. And it already says, hey, you may not remember this, but based on the information that's coming in right now, last time this happened, it was a shit sandwich. And so those type of things are going on. Now, how do they manifest themselves? Well, cortisol cortisol gives me the butterflies in my stomach. Okay, my rectopelae muscles, uh, based on my hypothalamus heat, heats up my neck and you know all of a sudden i feel the hair start standing up yeah. so all of those indicators the gut instinct yeah. are really scientific uh pseudoscientific ways of explaining scientific theories and, and postulates yeah and it's an easy way everyone's had that feeling before yeah. like something didn't feel right okay we we all when i when you say that to anyone they understand what that means but but there's an actual science you can learn and and you can become exactly you can you can get better at becoming an intuitive thinker and knowing uh, uh, what that and means. So, so, so 
real quick because intuition isn't just that feeling we get hey something seems off because that's your amygdala for the most part and your primitive brain you know sensing your environment taking in all of those exactly. senses so your sight your smell your hearing uh, uh everything that's going on uh, the feeling or mood and then you even brought up a little bit about it, that that in the in the article um yes, and and but th so we we're we have that on board as a human survival system right that's kept the human race alive for as long for despite our, our best efforts we're all still alive today because of that in general right and then you know there, right. there another way people talk about intuition because i just want to hit it up because it kind of gets into the training aspect because because my, my next question is can i develop my intuition but you can i'll, I'll let you explain that but but what I mean is, you know, if you ever see someone at the top of their game, maybe in their sport or like, you know, a basketball game and you're it's the NBA finals and, you know, someone makes an incredible play where they don't even look and they pass the ball to their teammate and they get it and they, they're barely even looking at them. They get the ball because they've worked and trained together so much and gone through so many different yep. repetitions. They're almost out there making, they're making intuitive decisions based on all of this incoming information. Now it's within a finite context of a basketball game, right? Uh, if someone starts shooting in there, they're not going to even That's hear it key. probably, but, 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 but the idea is so you can develop that within given context like that. And I think everyone knows about that. If you become a master tradesman or craftsman or something, or, or you can, you're an estimator and you can walk up and go, yeah, I think this is going to cost about this much. And after a while you get so close to the specific yep. amount because you have all of that intuitive knowledge and tacit knowledge you've developed now. However, yeah. when it comes to things that we're talking about here and those survival systems going, well, is this something that's going to escalate? Uh, uh, like the recent, I know it just happened this week, the, the, the shooting in Kansas City for the Chiefs Super Bowl party, you know, like it, it rose to this level. It was a beef between a couple people and, and, and they started shooting at each other. But, you know, it, it, all of this comes together is then then can I get better at using my intuition for something I'm not an expert in, Greg, like something outside yeah. of the of what my area of expertise is. So th there's three things that you brought up that are amazing. I want to go back on and folks, you got to listen when Brian talks. It's not just asking a question. He's setting the stage, he's priming for a question because he knows so much. Uh, uh, the first thing is take a look at the, the Kansas City shooting uh, video to yourself and watch how many people had no idea that it was going on. Yep. And you'll hear the shooting, then you'll see the shooter and all the, the you'll actually see the weapon and you'll see some people walking hand in hand, looking back over their shoulder, not even sure that it's not part of the process. That's the first thing, recognition that you're in the moment. That really helps, right? Anticipating that something like that might happen. The second thing is that you're saying, and I must reiterate that no matter how well-trained you are in one thing, it doesn't cross the street to make you better at another thing. And, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, how muscle memory and memory are two separate distinct concepts and building one doesn't make you a critical thinker. Right. So let's talk about that in a minute. And, but I want to, I want to say this to you. Okay. If I rehearse the stations of the cross in catechism and I go over and over and over it with the nun or the parent or whoever's doing it with me, that doesn't make me understand Jesus any better or any other book in the Bible. So what I'm doing is at that skill, at that time, I'm doing the appropriate steps in the appropriate order to uh, some standard, uh, either a written or a demonstrated or an implied standard. If I understand how to switch gears and do the clutch and the brake pedal better, okay, I was lucky enough to meet Jackie Stewart and drive with him in Detroit when the Detroit Grand Prix was in town. 
and he was seeing shit, Brian. I never yeah, knew. And I way was out just in front sitting of you. there yeah, going, yeah. Oh my God, I'm going so fast. I, you know, on streets that weren't designed for this, right? So I'm thinking of survivability. And yeah. he's just looking, right? And the idea is though, that didn't help him uh understand the combustion engine. That didn't understand him work on coefficient of frictions on tires. Those are completely separate skills and all are based on sense making problem solving and ultimate decisions based on uh, uh, critical thinking. So what do I mean? So memory means cognitive memory, your ability to encode, store, retrieve information. Okay. Cognition means thinking, metacognition, thinking about thinking. So cognitive memory literally means learning and then consolidating memories and then being able to recall them when, when you yeah, need them. When you need them. Okay. That's the key. So, so we know working memory. Okay. Short-term memory is now called working memory by all science. I can hold that information is, temporarily, yeah. very limited time capacity, okay? Now, long-term memory allows me to store information over an extended period of time and based on its strength or weight, sometimes forever. This is where PTS and some other yeah. things come from, okay? Now, cognitive training means I can use a whole bunch of related knowledge skills. For example, I can apply outside of the stations of the cross and the gear shift and, and choosing the right putter, which is all stuff that you were talking about, you know, understanding distance on a golf course yeah. is the same as taking the right uh, uh, swing at the right pitch on a ball field, right? So in sports, these things work very well. But now cognitive goes in a different direction. And cognitive says, first of all, there's general knowledge, things that everybody knows, okay? Then there's explicit memory, facts, evidence, experiences that might be known to everybody, right? But these are things that, depending on my job, are a little bit different, right? They're a little bit more classified than the general memory, water's wet, sky's blue, okay? Then we have episodic, those personal experiences that I have on my journey. That's yeah. what makes us the unique little snowflakes, right? So then you add to that the implicit, uh, uh, so implicit memory is literally the hardwired stuff that we come with, right? So they're constantly running in my unconscious and that's what gives us those gut instincts, right? The amygdala going, hey, based on previous information, right. It's a Tyrannosaurus or a shooting, and, right? I mean, and, you don't and, care which, right? And like you said, with all those, because you even brought up uh, with like PTS, post-traumatic stress yep. or something or or anything trauma related like that, that's that's going to be a one that's going to be a go to for our brain. And it, it gives you sort of it can give you a a corrupt file folder in a sense where exactly. where you're getting that sort of amygdalic reaction in a situation right. where you don't need to have that, where, so where, it's, where it's impact, not appropriate. Yeah. You're spot on. The impact is that now I'm getting an incongruent signal. All incongruent, incongruent signals in humans lead to anxiety. So, so, yes. so now if we understand implicit, let's go to priming. So priming is uh, enhanced preparation based on prior exposure. So you've had a similar external arousal and all of a sudden you want to be able to categorize that. So, mm -hmm. so you can do it from a song, a scent, a memory, an atmospheric, right? All of those different things. And this is what people keep trying to say is stress inoculation. Look, there's already a word for it. Use the word, use what science and, 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 you know, the, the voyage yeah. of discovery have given us because you can't stress inoculate, right? right. But, but that's a whole that's different. That's a different, right? yeah. Right. So now let's talk about less cognitive memories what I like to call procedural memory, and that's what scientists call it too. So muscle memory is procedural memory. And the funny thing is that if you understand it, your brain can't retain a memory uh, or uh, muscle can't retain a memory. Those are all retained in the brain. So why does that matter? Because motor skills apply to a very limited, specific set of skills, a task, sewing, playing a musical instrument, uh, doing a very specific sport-relating skill. 
catching, touching the base, and then making the double play, right? Pitching, batting, and repeating any task with a detail or a precision is going to get you better at that task, but it's not going to prepare you for surprise. It's not going to prepare you for unplanned occurrences or consequences. So the type of training that does is critical thinking training, which is when we emotion-based and cognitive-based. And that's what the problem is, Brian, is that we keep saying that it has to be an amalgam of them. And we've said it since the beginning, and everybody else focuses on the easy. And the easy is the procedural, right? Yeah, the well, that's be because, I, because I, I, I can extrapolate a series of steps from that incident and, and then train in those steps in that manner. And one, I'm learning something and I'm getting better at the skill set. But I'm, I'm, there's sort of this, this false equivalence that that's going to help you in that manner. But, and, but and meaning- you know where that comes from? That comes from playing the piano. And first, it's just the scales. And yep. then it's bang, bang, bang. And now you learn a song like Chopsticks. But guess what, Brian? Now, all of a sudden, you where have I begun to tell yeah. the story? Of? Now we're doing the, the theme to love story. And guess what? I rehearse it and I practice it. And now I can do it without the music. I can do it anywhere and I can do it in a crowd and make it sound really good. That's wonderful because it takes thought and practice and now it becomes automatic and you can execute it skillfully. But it doesn't help you apply that to the next song. Well, okay. Yeah. Or, or a guy well, I would in say, with a gun. Uh, well, yeah, that's not going to help you uh, um, play the guitar. Now it'll give you a better background exactly. knowledge for maybe you can then reading music. You, well, yeah. Okay. And you, maybe you can learn it faster than me because I don't have mm-hmm. the background on the piano, but you already do because it's closely related in terms of music. But, but you know, like I, I, cause I've done that cause I, I play guitar and then someone sat me down and was like, Hey, this is how you make a chord on the piano. And I was like, Oh, just like that. Yeah. These are the notes. And so I could play a couple songs, just learning those basic chords and be like, how the hell do you exactly. learn to play the piano? I was like, I can't play the piano. Like I know what a chord is. So you showed me that on here, but yes. I'm not playing Beethoven. <laughs> you get what I'm right. saying? Like right. it's it's clunky, but I understand music theory a little bit. So so I can do that. But that's all within again that that sort of exactly. given context. And and so that that you know that that intuition, that intuitive feeling that people get, you know, it, it ties into because we talk about the, the brain and the human processing system. Is it's it, this is information? It's processing information. <laughs> You, an information could be a sense. It could be a, you know, a smell, a, an observation you make. It could be the, the article you read in the paper. The, information is everywhere. Absolutely. It's in you scrolling through, through your, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram feed, but it's just information constantly getting blasted at you. And, you, you know, in there, you said not all information rises to the level of intelligence. Further misinformation or lack of credible information can create data chasm that, that may prove unfixable. But, we kind of talked about that, but it, it goes back to the, um, th- this ties into what you're talking about, building an explanatory storyline. So it ties in together. Yep. I love the the example of the guy in the, the, the college dorm trying to get any access. And then you had Kenonan down at the, the Texas church and you had all of these indicators, all of this information screaming, and that's actually now risen to the level of intelligence. And then you brought this down yes. as, as uh, and you did it with the, with the college uh, campus example of sort of building this explanatory storyline for your observation. So, and you did it again in the, in the, in the Texas church one, but explain this explanatory storyline just because because for anyone yeah. you know listening this you this is what your brain does for everything you do you go oh, that, 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 that's, that's exactly what your brain that, does right because that, and that's what we got it because this ties back yeah. to the first episode about about sense making that's called sense making it goes oh um the milk is sitting out 
you know, the insurgent must have been up having a bowl of cereal and forgot to put it away. I have to account for why that is not in the refrigerator when I walk in the kitchen, right? There has yep. to be a reason. Oh, okay. You know, McKaylee's getting stuff out for dinner. You know what I mean? Whatever the situation is, your brain is constantly doing that without even you realizing it in the background. So, so can I take that unconscious process in a sense and get, make it conscious for a while so, so I can get it better, right? You get better at creating those so I can understand the situation because this is where those things went wrong. No one created exactly. the, the correct explanatory storyline and they waited to, to react. You know what I'm saying? They waited for the story to play out and they didn't have a comparison. So they didn't know the shit went sideways. So you were, uh, again, as an idiot savant and an expert in human behavior, bo you just bo came bo up bo heavy, on the, idiot, heavy but, on the idiot. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Okay. But listen, when you were talking about the milk and the explanatory storylines, you as a human have the ability not only to play it backwards but to play it forwards and anticipate the future if then if then so what you're talking about an explanatory storyline is what would likely happen next so if uh your insurgent walked by you go hey you forgot forgot to put the milk in the fridge and she said you know wrong person and just kept walking to you know go out to <laughs> yeah, play which is something you know, she would say, would say right? <laughs> it wasn't okay. me then right and then all of a sudden you go okay it's my wife all right. Those type of things mean that I can go to historical perspective. Last time I saw milk out, it was the insurgent. So it's like there and in the moment, wow, milk shouldn't be sitting there. I hope we're not getting robbed. And in the future, wow, it's going to taste great tonight. I think we're having lasagna. You see what I'm trying to say? So yeah. You're, you're bombarded with information. So let's first go to information, information, raw data, facts collected or received about a particular subject, event, time, you know, uh, uh, space, time, whatever. And then intelligence is processed information. Simply street it up. Intelligence is processed information. So uh, uh, if you had curds and whey, they're not cheese. You have to process them to make right. the damn cheese. It's a completely different taste and feel and smell until it's processed. And that's exactly the difference between information and intelligence. So intelligence is knowledge or, or insights or special things that I derive from information through analysis through synthesis and interpretation and comparison. So what you're talking about is if I'm going to do an explanatory storyline, I should have in my mind a couple of things about anticipation. If this is true, then what should I expect to see next? So I see two people that clearly are in an argument, and then I anticipate they're in an argument. So when I open my door and I put my foot on the ground, I now hear them yelling at each other in elevated voices. I also noticed they blade their bodies towards each other. So these indications, these pre-event indications, and again, they're not pre-event indications of violence or danger. They're merely cues in our environment. So when they come together in a certain fashion, just like a recipe, guess what you got? You got a wonderful wedding cake that you can ice and remember the taste forever and ever. But the risk is rushing into that and yeah. making an unreasonable conclusion by not using that explanatory storyline. So if I'm a copper and I only get the information from dispatch and I roll up and pop out of my car and start taking charge of the scene without taking some information from the environment, the personnel, the sights, the fields, the tastes, the proxemics, the atmospherics, the physiology that's visible, the biometrics between those folks, then you know what, Brian, I'm racing and I'm going to exceed my headlights and I'm going to crash into a tree because the road turned to the right and I never saw it. That's what the problem is with only doing one thing during our training. So, so let me tell you about ML and MDCOA quickly. Yeah. Randomness can't exist 
in our universe because we have predictable rules. So we don't understand enough yet to anticipate outcomes that aren't likely because we're not there yet. Yeah. So the only thing that we have and our, what we our, teach in our hegemony and pedagogy are most likely or most dangerous. We have situations of danger or situations of opportunity. You see how easy well, that can be when, when we do a training and, event? And, and you, you, you hit it right there on, on why a lot of people like no one at the church intervenes sooner. Yes. Um, you know why, and why that happens all the time. And we see that is because we have uh, the, the, the 99% of our file folders, let's call them our experiences. Those, those comparisons we're going to use are for the most likely thing. Okay. This guy is, you know, he's got a drug problem. He's homeless. He's this, like he comes to this church because he'd been to that church before. Um, you know, exactly. He, and so, so it's, it's unlikely it's going to be something bad. Same thing with, with, with Sean's daughter, like, well, it's a college campus. There's guys on here, you know, this, what could it possibly be? You know what I'm saying? And, and we don't ever use that comparative baseline because a lot of people even see it. And I'll even go as far as the guy, the, the head of security at that church, same thing. He, he's, this is his world that he's in. And, and this is not a knock on him at all whatsoever. No. The, I'm, I'm saying, put yourself in his shoes. If you're listening to this podcast and going, wow, yeah, this is odd. Let's keep an eye on him. You know, now I've got this person. I think that when we even said, Hey, when we go get communion, we're not going to go sit back next to him. Exactly. Uh, she was so scared. She couldn't sing like she normally, like these are so these are such powerful indicators yes. in your environment. Now you're going to say, well, you did some possible for them to put that together. That that's fine. I, I don't, they don't, you don't need to at that point. Right. It, but, but what everyone wants to do is like, well, what am I supposed to do when these things occur? And that that's obviously dependent on the situation and what your role is. Like uh, uh, back to the church shooting, the females like, okay, well, I'm going to move my seat. That's a great option uh, yes. uh this guy the guy working security all right i need to continue to watch him but it's like there's this sort of fear of of intervening or doing something and but it's not really a fear. part of its denial right part yes. of it's like well this Huge is part. so unlikely to happen here because it's true it's very unlikely that you're going to go to church and someone's going to come in and shoot up the place in fact think of think of how many times that happens in a year right so that's 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 the whatever the the numerator numerator and then the denominator is how many times in the United States do people go into church on a weekly basis and add that up? So you're you're, you're talking about so that's something so statistically rare, but we don't ever attribute value to those observations because we fall back to what we typically see or know, right? And and that's what it becomes. It's this well, it's probably nothing, even though all this stuff. So so our own sense of denial and and our prefrontal cortex will override our primitive survival systems um it, because it, we, we because we don't ever see it and when we don't see it touch it taste it smell it if you haven't studied it if you don't if you haven't seen someone killed before if you haven't seen a dead body or a crime scene or this like or one of these attacks like it's not real to you and right. it doesn't become real in there and so it's very very hard to get your brain to go no this is something that could happen even though you see it on the news all the time you go well i'm just going to the gas station i've gone to the gas station ten thousand times in my life and nothing's ever happened why would something happen right now and that's actually a very logical way to think that's not an illogical or 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 you know i mean that for, for at a very simple level that makes sense to your brain and so what, what i'm what i'm sort of getting at here is uh um it, it loosely but it's you just explained how to conduct a explanatory storyline and explain the significance of those observations in the environment yes. right you just did that with explanatory 
storyline you talked about. So can I sort of get better at this and, and what, how do I get better at this? Like, how do I, no, can I take, look, even take, take some away again. from even in this episode to go, okay, how do I do that? You know what I'm saying? Right. You shined a light on, on a very important thing. Uh, and, and when people hear me talk about other scientists, I am not a PhD. Right. Okay. Don't ascribe to be, don't need to be, because yeah. I've got more knowledge and experience than thousands of them lined up to, to try to heckle me. And the problem is that they continue to use theory and right. they don't use research and the research they do use is flawed. And I'll give you why it's flawed because every uh, research citation in the recent thing that I just read on LinkedIn, which is a good thing. It's a good idea that, Hey, these same, you know, motor skills and learning, you know, all this other stuff are going to, and then I see 10 citations from sports. Okay. Police work and yeah, sports are not yeah, the same thing. Yeah. So, so when you give me research that's conflated to a point where I'm, you know, look, I can make the connection myself. If then, if it's true with sports, then it's likely that there's some elements of it that'll cross over to police work, but not all elements. And the critical elements are, look, I don't remember anybody uh, except in a movie uh, with Bruce Willis during a football game, pull out a gun and shoot uh, uh, one of the defensive players. Right. Okay, maybe that's coming in America, right? But but it's not the same. So if it's not the same, stop treating it as the same. Second part of their uh, research, they're spinning their tires in neutral, uh, which is hard. They're doing the neutral slam, you know, uh, getting the RPMs up and then dropping it from neutral into drive by quoting stuff that we all know. And that makes us go, wow, this must be good research. Look, every one of them ends with the same thing when they don't do practical examples. And every one of them says more research necessary at the end of the study. Because they need that next grant. They need to be the next guy in line. Well, your brain does that instinctively now. Why? Because it's so long flashed a bang from the time that you had to run from those threats and the dinosaurs and fight other tribes that you've gotten dumber. We've all gotten more relaxed. So now our brain is on this cycle of, well, maybe I need more information. So this is how you do it, Brian. Let's shine the light on, on the church first. When is it likely that you'll ever be in a church where you'll see people dress up in costumes. And <laughs> yeah. I would argue that Christmas, Christmas, yeah, they're doing the nativity, nativity scene. Yeah. Okay. Easter, because mm -hmm. they're going to have Lazarus rising and, and yeah. Jesus coming. Okay. Maybe, maybe Easter. Now they might change colors outside of the church, but actually having actors in costume in that church, I would say just Christmas. Now I, I can't say all religions every time, but I'm pretty gosh darn sure of this West, uh, you know, uh, uh, interstate Baptist, okay, that their church going and they're doing it on Christmas. What would I also like to see or, or likely see a uh, full parking lot? Not all year long. Okay. Right, not every church, right, the, but around the, the holidays, the, right? the Christmas and Easter Catholics or what I'm, what I'm saying? familiar with. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is there's a certain number of lenses and yeah. that not all communication or information is weighted equally. So sitting in this church now and knowing that the church has security likely tells me that there's been breaches of security before, and this church is trying to be proactive. Knowing that there were security mem members that were armed in plain clothes amongst the uh, uh, participants, the, the, the people, the churchgoers, whatever they're called now. <laughs> okay. Parishioners. A lot of time in yeah. church. Parishioners. Yeah. That's the word I was searching for, buddy. A lot of talking, not a lot of saliva. <laughs> 
if you imagine that there are plainclothes coppers with guns in and amongst those people, that means that they had a credible threat, a previous credible threat, or knew there was a likelihood, knew or should have known, that there was going to be an armed assailant at one point. Now, there's also historical precedent set by other church shootings. So all of those create the perfect storm. So what do you look for in a perfect storm? You hear thunder, okay? You know that there's flash to bang on lightning. You know that the clouds are going to come in. Brian, when the guy came in and sat down with the fake beard and the mustache and the three-quarter length coat, he fit their own profile for the perfect storm. Yeah. They underreacted because they didn't want to overreact and scare a bunch of people. I don't know what was in their mind at the time, but I knew once he came up shooting, now they knew, okay, probable cause has been satisfied. I posit probable cause existed the moment that he came into the church dressed in that outfit, and that outfit was completely anomalous and incongruent but, for the circumstances in that church at that time and at that place. Okay, but but here is what I see as a typical response to something. I'm going to make a graphic. And I'm going to call it pre-attack <laughs> indicators. And I'm going to describe morning. Thomas Canonan exactly how he carried that attack. And mm-hmm. this goes back to, and we, we, we jumped into detail in the last couple episodes about kind of prototypical and template matching and, and yes, sir. heuristic thinking. But that's what everyone then focuses on. Okay, well, he's got the trench coat and he's shifting around and he's doing this. And that's, yep. for the most part, completely unhelpful. To, to put it to but but that's what we want we we, we want that that checklist of Certitude. those things that we, need to, exactly. to, to look for but you don't one you don't need it and and you don't like you, you, we're not prosecuting someone here in trial we don't need um very detailed artifacts and evidence that have been collected in a scientific manner and drawn to a reasonable conclusion and documented and shown here right you meaning for an intervention strategy to to do something or say something we don't don't need need that this is a lesser standard in the moment it's it's your world and we even got into that you know last week with the rage and randomness of of it's an interaction between you and the environment like exactly. anyone at any time especially if you're in public can walk up to someone and say hey how's it going hey what's going on here exactly. like you don't like it, it's it's this idea that that you're just a, a bystander or or you're just uh, um you're you're just in this scene it's no it's your world you can interact with it you have the ability to to affect that and change it when you jump into the ball pit you push all the other balls away right and they move out and they push against other balls and they push against they load up on the the other person that's in there whatever that is like you get to to do that and and, and there's just like this this disconnect between that information intelligence and and action that we we feel exactly. like we need to have some sort of certitude like there's a definite and it, there's that does not exist ever there's it, it exists when in hindsight in hindsight, it does, yeah. And we go, well, here, here we go. But but you, you don't need that. There's uncertainty in exactly. every single thing. There's uncertainty in uh, us getting up and recording this podcast. There could the fucking yep. Wi-Fi could drop off. Uh, uh, you, 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 the, 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 those, uh, what, what you, your animal friends can come storming in from behind you. Out there I think they're circling for, outside. I've heard a lot of odd noises. This morning. So so like uh, I mean, the crow is all, in on them too. There's all those things, and there, but there's yeah. degrees of likelihood. But then everyone says, "Well, sure. I want it to assert. I want to do what are the 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 green, yellow, red indicators? When do I get to that?" And and this exactly. this is this is the problem is we try to um, put a rigid structure or format over to a on top of a a a nebulous situation that is constantly in flux 
right? Yep. So we're trying to put put rigidity to something that is always moving and up and down and, and floating and, and and rising to okay, this is something, and now it's not anymore. And and so like we, it, it's hard for people to conceptualize that, even though I would say that's how everything is in your life. Everything that's how is science like that. is. That's how math is. That's what I'm trying to say too, Brian. And I think we're on the same sheet. But I want to throw another look. I don't intentionally try to piss people off. Sometimes no, it's a hat, sometimes right? it's a hat. Sometimes Uncle Buck. It's a hat. And and I am. I'm kind of like Uncle, Uncle Buck with a different You're letter good. at the beginning, right? And <laughs> and I want you to think of this. Every time I see something like that, I become skeptical. And then I read something lower down where they cite an article that they're not a part of, or they put in there a peer review. Okay, well, that's great. But you know what? That's not scientifically tested and vetted. That hasn't gone through the experiment process. What you did is that's like a jury of your peers. Your peers all go, yeah, that makes Sounds sense good. to me. That does not make it <laughs> science. And, and my problem with that is that, that what happens is the interpretation of that is why when I go to a meeting, people think we're all on the same level. And so I'll talk to a person and I'll go, well, with police work and this and my you know, background and whatever, and I'll, and I'll go, hey, that's absolutely amazing. How long did you work the road? I didn't work the road or I worked the road for seven years and the agency I worked the road in had four officers and it was in, you know, rural, you know, BFE and, and then, uh, which is actually a place I've been to Egypt. Um, or, uh, uh, what happens is I say, okay, well, I've seen it, uh, in 53 countries and been able to test it on the road in combat zones and outside the wire. And then they say, okay, well, the other thing is it's not just me talking. It's not anecdotal. Brian, our hegemony and pedagogy, every word from every slide that we've ever taught has been tested and vetted by rigorous study by experts. So the idea is that I love the idea that they're putting out those charts and those graphs. But a chart and a graph held up against a person isn't going to make you decide faster or better. And this is why our reliance should be on factual data, artifacts and evidence to make a reasonable conclusion at the moment, not at some future court proceeding, exactly as you said, and the standard should always be demonstrations of intent. Why would somebody attempt to conceal themselves from other parishioners in a church? Yeah. That's suspicious. Why would a person continue to use a CAC card improperly only at a women's own dorm? Then when they moved, it's not random, went to another, another women's own, yeah. own dorm. So the problem is that many times we're faced with these single points of information and we fail to link them together. And that's the beauty of MLCOA and establishing an explanatory storyline is when we look at information and we allow it to flow on its own, space time, settled where it will, it always shows us a logical pattern. If we force that, look, I say this again. The reason our cops are getting killed is because we got lights and sirens on the car and we're spending so much time hurrying to the scene. We're spending no time with critical thinking. Now, do the coppers need those? Yep. But are they being misapplied? Are we running uh, uh, to you know, view our own homicide, Brian? Right? Are, are we failing to connect the dots way back here so that when we get up on home plate and they hand us the bat, we're going to miss the cue from the pitcher? And I say yes to all of those. And I say that's because our training, look, our training didn't have to be really good way back in the day. When I only had a key to a key box and a truncheon, okay, well, when things got out of control, I went over and called more people and they sent everybody. Our training didn't have to be that good. Now it and, does. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it 
the obviously we have sort of a, a as humans we have sort of an, a negativity bias and and we only watch and consume information especially uh, on the news like they don't just come in and say hey here's nothing happened over here today or right. things are or okay over here the, one we used to love, the, squirrel, I, the water skiing water squirrel i love that we thing love that yeah come i used on, to see that i that. remember seeing that as at the chicago auto show as a kid and that was that was that was the greatest so thing ever cool. but uh but um we and and so because there was a there was a recent one uh and we, we talked about it briefly it barely i don't even know i saw it on the on the news a few weeks ago about a kid and this was a kid in like ohio or somewhere that you know he, he had a friend and that friend was on transmit and going yeah i'm gonna shoot up the school and don't tell yep. anyone and i'm gonna come after these people i'm gonna do this and he's like man i don't like this and he went and told his dad and you know it was even like i'd, I'd rather you know he he kill me than than go in and kill everyone in the school and then they yep. obviously reported it and stopped it. this kid had a plan he had a gun he had all this stuff right so so it was there and so this 15 year old kid had zero training in any of this right he had none he was just a normal human being who went well this is odd and i should tell someone and then they're let and and what if they had intervened and it did nothing okay good like that, that what's what meaning what's the these the danger in any of the situations we talked about about it was a false positive. You know what? We went and interviewed Kunona and he didn't have yep. a gun on him. And he was just, he's got some mental health issues and he's embarrassed that he's bald or something like that. And everyone in here has beautiful hair or something. I, you know what I mean? Like, yep. or, or the other kid, like, no, I was just uh, angry at this. I don't even have access to a weapon. I don't like the, the, right. the, 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 what happens? There's no, or the guy on the college campus, he's like, no, I work for the company that that is installing new uh, card readers uh, next month, and I got to test out the master key. Like, what's exactly. the what's the what's wrong? Yeah, so with the intervention off. exactly. You, and, you, you, you get what, what I'm saying? That's the lowest caloric intervention is going. Hey, what are you up to? What's going on over here? Because you're shining light on it now. Now, what's happening too? And you know me, I'm always asking uh, and listening yeah. to of others, right? Yeah. So I w- I would say, hey, listen. This man is making me suspicious <laughs> yeah. in a loud voice. You know, I mean, that's the type of thing we're talking about. And it doesn't take you spending thousands of dollars going to a course to learn how to, you know, fire a weapon while you're arched back under a car, you know, at moving targets. Those are wonderful. And, and I applaud fun. anybody that does that. And it's a lot of fun. Okay. But I don't remember when that ever came in. Handy, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I can only speak to six years in the military and 27 years on the road as a copper, Brian. I never encountered that. And I was kind of in some places that I might have seen. <laughs> that. And so were you. you yeah. Know? Now, now, what I'm saying is why do we do that then? Why? Why is that a default? Be- because anxiety yes. is it- right next to fear, right? And, and anytime that we see that, we think, oh my gosh, I better train for this because now i need new i need to start burying shit in my yard i need to well buy, you know stockpile that, toilet paper because it makes me because these because i because i don't understand these situations yep i get anxiety which leads to fear so i Always. have to somehow manage that and if i do this thing over here that people are talking about I feel like I have more control over the situation if this were to happen to me. I feel like I have this capability now and it's not going to happen to me. But it that doesn't actually address the situation. It doesn't actually help. It makes what me feel better. Makes you feel better because you can point at something. And and what you just discussed is why certificate mills put out certificates. Oh, yeah. It's not to I'm certified for your file that you're certified for something so a new employer can pay you more. 
That's not what happens with us. It's that some, and very rarely there's a governing body that we all agree with that sets a high standard and people have to like medical exams, right? I like the fact yeah. that, that I don't have a guy that's got, well, you, uh, you know, I worked at a jerk chicken stand and that equivalency allowed me well, to be you, an ophthalmologist, right? You, you still have to do what though? You have to pass the written test, but then you have to go, you have your residency, you a have to get signed exam. up. Yes, that's it. That, that's, that's your the, practical. That's, but, the, but what that's happens, the debate of, are you, are you, yeah, okay, you're certified. Are you qualified though? No, like, and, you, you and know you're I mean? not. And, and the problem is that people equate those as their equivalent and they're not equivalent. And, and why we worry about that is, is that you're going to get somebody that is, that has, look, my personal information doesn't enter into our coursework. I use stories of encounters that I had to start the the discussion on things but i don't go well in my opinion because my opinion well, at the end of the day does not so, matter when it comes to the science of what we do so then that the sort of tie that tie that back to um kind of what the the, the main point of the discussion was about yes. intuition and trusting yes. your gut um you know that that's the biggest thing that that there's a whole lot going on behind that and and yeah you 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 might be wrong you might have read the situation incorrectly um but you, you might not be so what's the cost of of not doing something or not intervening exactly. and, and not asking a follow-up question i mean that that's saying what that's I'm what sorry. it is saying I, i'm sorry I, but avoiding a shooting or a homicide or a mass casualty event, right? but we don't we don't like to be wrong. I mean, this is the thing is, is human that hu condition, human man. condition is we yeah. we hate, but 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 at a very literal uh, sense and and at a neuroscientific level, like your brain yeah. does not want to be wrong because wrong means you at a primitive level a couple hundred thousand years ago, wrong means you're dead. Wrong means you didn't. And, and I may be a threat to my tribe, and they're going to kill me. Yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. that I'll just die alone and uh, on my own and by a mistake. No, yeah, I might get booted from the from the colony exactly. Yeah. And, exactly, and, and that's a fear that's still with us today. And that that fear of of being wrong, I think, is a, is a powerful reason that leads to denial. And you know, your brain wants the answer before you get Inaction. to the end of the sentence. The end of the sentence, it doesn't want to come up with with something blank and say, "I don't know." Yeah. And so, when when you have that that approach of of trusting your gut and your intuition, and and but then yeah. a acting upon it and saying, "Well, well, what what's the lowest calorie thing I could do right here?" You know, what yep. what what can I can I prove? Scream is right or leave, wrong? Lock the door. Exactly. Ask a the question. Lowest calorie. Ask the question. What are you doing here? Who are you? Let me see some ID. You're exactly onto something, Brian. Look, when when I said my opinion based testimony is taken at a lesser standard, unless I'm being sworn in as an expert witness in what I know, and I know human behavior better than anybody. Okay, so if you and I were standing on a subway and shit was going sideways, and you and I started running, well, that's the kind of gut instinct that the people around us should weigh very heavily, and they should be running too because we know more than they do in that situation. But if the same thing were true, and we were talking about a political election yeah. or how to make brand muffins yeah. or what type of bullet it does the best terminal ballistics, guess what? Fundamental attribution error. Just because I'm an expert in human behavior does not mean I've got a great marriage or my kids love me or I know how to drive <laughs> yeah. a car in traffic. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Well, That's the thing, right? 
that that's there's there's no better example of that than than in the military. It's like, wow, I'm learning from this guy who really knows his stuff. He knows everything about it. And then he's like, let me tell you about dating. And you're like, ah, oh, well, Gunny, you're on your fourth wife, exactly. so maybe maybe exactly. not. Maybe maybe I'm gonna go get that. Maybe I'm gonna go get that yeah, that information. Personal uh, license plate on his Harley Davidson is marriage risk. You know, yeah, it's spelled out. You know, with the ring falling. You know, so exactly. No, and and, it, and we 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 talked about. Uh, a lot of that in in that in one a couple episodes ago and then then even a little bit about range and randomness because that that's um uh it, it's a central theme to what we're talking about and we're trying to give w- with our discussions on here um trying to give some examples um to show we're not we're, yes we're oversimplifying some of it but but for for the sake of action and for creating a bias for action um exactly. it's not oversimplified yeah, it's though right, but but, right but, but the idea is yeah. like yeah we're oversimplifying it but we're not like that 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 is the simple thing of someone standing up and going oh wait no i recognize this as something that's odd i'm going to say something or do something that's all these things take that's all that 15 year old kid did in ohio and said well this is seems pretty serious now i should probably tell an adult okay like th- th- you saved lives you know what i'm saying when and it, it rises to a level that you're suspicious and your explanatory storyline indicates a likely MDO, uh, MDCOA, you got to do something. You got to do it first and you got to do it faster. The brass and the bodies are going to hit the floor. And I'll give you a personal example that happened on our way to Detroit just a couple of weeks ago. Shell was taking me to the airport. Uh, uh, we had a, a situation that it was stormy early in the morning, had to leave the house at, at six. It's pitch dark. We're in the middle of nowhere. So before we left, because we took job of the month with us to the airport. Uh, Shelly shut off all the lights because we don't need lights. There's nobody that lives up here, but Al can uh, bear and moose, right? And you don't want to attract them any more than right. you already do. Exactly. <laughs> our heartbeats attract them. Yeah. They smelled the blood. Well, you got those and, big and, cats, man. Those tracks yeah. you saw. Or set those so photos. I, I, I don't know if you're sharing those, but feel free to. So so uh, Shelly's walking first down the stairs. She got a purse in the left hand or coffee cup. And now she's additionally carrying my briefcase. Okay, I'm carrying my big bag. Yeah. And I've got the dog on the leash and I'm behind her going down our wood steps in the dark and it's snowy. So Shelly gets to the last step, which isn't the last step, steps off into, you know, uh, whoops, there goes gravity. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Slim Shady. And she burns in. And now, first of all, the fear of the dearest of all dear humans in my life uh, hurting herself. Right. And, you know, Shelly, Shelly did a soccer roll and popped up. I'm fine. But the idea was, what did we have? We had a nuanced event. She takes me to the airport all the time. But this one was with total darkness on cold, icy steps with the dog. And she was carrying items that she doesn't generally carry. Anytime you're in a new, nuanced, or novel situation, you got to slow time down. And guess what? We added a complexity of no light. No light or low light. Okay? So that changed the math. The algorithm, the, the standard, just enough to make it a near fatal incident. And people are going near fatal. Hey, falls can be fatal when you're yeah. 60. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's the number one cause, I think, of hospitalization in older people. I, w- I would think that in heart disease are way up there. So what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that anytime that you're not in your rhythm, in your pattern, you talked about those people being at the top of their game. Folks, if you're listening to this, you know what it feels like when you're at the top of your game, whether it's bowling or eating or yeah, doesn't matter TV, what it is. whatever yeah. it is, right? But if you take yourself outside of that and now there's yelling and people are running and the lights have changed or whatever else, you got to expect that there's going to be a little turbidity. And that turmoil, that random encounter could be fatal. 
So if you don't ML and MD, if you don't slow time down, gift the time and distance, uh, if you don't uh, uh, engage in explanatory storylines, guess what? And you know what, Brian? I don't do that on my own. I work out better when I have a coach or a mentor or uh, even watch Sweat into the Oldies on TV, you know? So I yeah. need to be trained. Education yeah. doesn't do it. I need to be trained in how to do those things. So we... Uh... We, we, we covered a lot in, in the episode and, you know, uh, um, is getting that the, the thing about intuition and, and the way people use it, you want to call it like I there's, you know, I, I try not to get into semantic arguments about it yep. unless it's unless it's a very specific and we're in a domain where narrow yep. you, you have right. to be wrong, but call it whatever you want, the gut feeling or something felt off. That's what happens and recalls in every single one of these situations. You know, hey, I felt this. Um, or the or the one from the guy coming up to me like after the first day of training, doing the, yeah, I feel I got this kind of gut feeling that my my wife might be cheating on me. And uh, could you help me figure this out? And I was like, Well, hello, my name is Brian. It's nice to meet you. If that's the first words out of your mouth uh when you're meeting me, I think you think you probably already know. But but you know, is that that because we don't have to act on that very often in our lives, we we it becomes an even more powerful you know signal in in my opinion because if you're feeling that and you are almost never in dangerous situations, then then you should probably listen to that. So I always have to tell people that to the intervention, the what are you going to say? Can you say something? Sustained observation, ask a question, intervene is giving people the the sort of confidence to to do that in their environment and and affect change in, within your your area of operations and where you're at in your world. You do that whether you think you do or not anyway and you and that interaction of you and your environment is what make things what what makes things happen that's what that's why it's not random it's a, it's an interaction of all of the players in the game and 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 the environment and that's exactly. that's that's what it is it's it's seemingly random but it's if i if i just think everything is random then i don't feel like i have any control over the situation and so if i understand that and that, that breeds anxiety exactly yes. exactly and, so we're and, in a mobius loop of of, of misunderstanding. And, and the idea is that if we can describe and see evidence of entropy, then we understand that true randomness can't exist. Okay. Because it's predictable. Entropy is predictable. And you just talked about confidence. I go the one step uh, further. Training can take you from confident to competent. Yeah, well, okay. well because like, the, that's the key, and, and, right? The competence I and mean, something the more confident you are, the more confident you are to, to, to use it. it. So, so that's, but, that's, Double yeah, I get, I get, no, I get what you're help. saying. I get yep. what you're saying. Yeah, they 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 feed that. That's the the positive feedback loop a, you you want. So the positive feedback loop you want is learning Heimlich for the one time in your life that you're going to save a life. Yeah. I don't do the Heimlich every day, and it's not an environment where we might do it three times this week. But I train every single year to make yeah. sure that I'm good at it, and I rehearse it. The same thing with uh, uh, you know understanding how and where an IED might uh, uh, work and in being able to use it at that time. Brian, those are things that are so random and so rare in my personal experience, right? But that's what I need to train for. That's exactly where my training needs to go. Not the repetitive rote memorization of block training over and over, you know, for uh, what does that come from? Those come from fear. They come from anxiety. That's how old Tom got shot. Remember, that's how they slid through the intersection and hit that bus full of kids. We always go to those extreme training events rather than go to the most likely. And the most likely is that, uh, seemingly random thing that's going to occur more and more often now why because life has changed the world has changed same thing there's always going to be threats 
but threat prediction, Brian, and specifically understanding your intuition, man, that's where it's at. If you can do that, you're going to be happier in your life and you're going to be safer because you're at the end of the day, just like the article says, you're responsible for your own personal safety. Yeah. Um, that's a great, you know, spot to end on for this I one, so. uh, that, uh, you know, that taking responsibility of your own outcome and the outcome of the situation that you're in is you, you have, I think a lot of people have a lot more power and a lot more say and a lot more vote voting power than they, they sort of realize sometimes, right. I it's, agree. We, and it's easy to fall back into that crowd and go, well, I don't, you know, no one else is doing anything or I don't know, or I don't, it's not my responsibility and I've got these other things to do, but it's, it, it's just not, it's, it's, you, you have the ability to, um, really change the outcome of a situation. Um, no matter what that situation is, you always have options. The options might positively, not, oh, well, that's right? what I mean. The options might not all be good, right? but you, right. you, you have options, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's the way I try to approach this stuff with, with, with folks. I absolutely and, agree. Um, so, you know, that I, that we covered a lot, um, for the Patreon subscribers that obviously you would get the article and some other stuff that we have on there, uh, for that helps support the episodes and you can read through it and the, the photos and stuff make sense, especially if you're, you're interested in that stuff, you'll, you'll kind of see how we break it down in there. Um, and you can refer back to that obviously. Uh, so I always tell people to check out the Patreon sound. We've got more starting here pretty soon on there as well, uh, that we're going to be, we're going to be putting on there. So, so it's, it's, it's growing. And for those of you who, who've been supporting us for a while, we obviously appreciate and those new people have been signing up recently. We, we, you know, welcome, welcome to the party. Welcome. We're so happy. <laughs> Thanks for having us. And I appreciate your comments so far. And, and always, uh, uh, those folks can reach out if they want us to cover specific topics on here. So, um, on that, Greg, any, any kind of final, final words or final thoughts on this one? Just remember tuning into us sometimes is trying to jump on the carousel while it's spinning. Yeah, uh, that's but, true. But we're, we're getting to, we're getting more to speed it up. Yeah, I think so. And, more and laser focused, more deliberate about it. And, and, um, so. it, it's, it's, it's hard to do that sometimes through this medium of talking because it's not training. It's not like you're at a course where we can talk about whatever, yeah. whenever, and it makes sense in the context that we're in. And we always make the connection. So for, you know, we're trying Come to make short, yeah. short connections on here in a sense, right. To keep no, totally laser focused. Agree. Uh, but that's why we refer back to those specific cases and, and give, bring up similar incidents. Uh, well, the, the, the incidents are seemingly not similar at all, but we pull out the similar, uh, elements right. of all of them. And that's the, the idea. The essence of the lessons learned. And the reason that we've added them to these, uh, podcasts is that the lessons learned always have a story within a story, within a fable, within a lesson. And that way you can take any or all of it and use it in your uh, on-duty roll call training, or you can take a little bit and change your life with just the one story and apply to your own life. Or you can go back and read the first. Uh, Brian, the Patreon subscribers get a, a definite advantage because they actually get to read the article, review yeah. it, go back, to, you know, there's your peer review. But that's fun stuff. Yeah. And, well, and technically, that is. I it mean, is. That's what I'm saying. But but uh, what I like about it, is, it Brian, it's the is same that standard that that people use to peer review. So yeah, our yeah. Patreon subscribers said they liked it. So I well, mean, that's a, that's all. That's scientific. Go buy it. Yeah, uh, but you know what I'm trying to say. No, no, I get more, it. Yeah, you get more through actually being able to read it and see the photos that were you know, meant to go along with it. So I well, can't wait for episode four. And I know that Eileen is coming up real soon. Brian, yep. you and I will be in St. Yep. Louis. We'll be in St. Louis in March. Presenting on Thursday and Friday uh, of Eileen in March. We're very excited. 
Yeah. So, well, thanks everyone so much for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions, reach out to us at the human behavior podcast at gmail.com. And then, uh, of course, like we said, there's a lot more on the Patreon and don't forget that training changes behavior. That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. If you'd like more information or deeper dive on anything that we talked about, you can always sign up at our Patreon site or reach out to us at the human behavior podcast at gmail.com.